Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another emergency podcast episode of Slash Film Daily for October 4th, 2018. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is the host of the Steel Wars podcast, Steel Saunders. Hey, Peter. Thanks so much for having us on. You, you, I love that you're having an emergency podcast <laughs> to back up your emergency podcast. I know. I, I, look, we just did one yesterday with uh, Jason and Brian, and you, and you you at replied me. It was like, I live down the street. Why aren't you having me on? So, uh, you know, when I was when this happened, this news dropped today. I don't think I've ever had an emergency podcast the day after an emergency, like within 24 hours. This has been a lot of Star Wars news. Uh, you don't know the half of it, buddy, because I had my firstborn son on Saturday. And oh, I saw I've, photos online. I've or... been getting emergency podcasts from Jason Ward um, via my <laughs> phone constantly over the past week. He's like, you gotta, you got to quit with this son having and uh, come do stuff with us. But, wow, it's... Uh, it's so exciting. And I do have to say, you do live just down the street from me. So we are really mocking the amazing technology of Skype right now. Like it should, <laughs> Skype should just come up and just go, are you serious? Just walk down there, dude. Like we're not, when I, I can't be bothered putting this through. But uh, it's an emergency podcast. I don't even have time to walk down the street. See, the I sad, did, I, the sad I did fact have that. is I have my studio in my like walk-in closet, so I don't even think we could fit both of us in here. But I guess we could have recorded Ooh. at your place. You you have like a studio there, right? You have like a whole setup, I think yeah. I've seen. Yeah, I've got, I've got a pretty uh, decent setup. But uh, I, I had the scoop. It, it's been a big week for scoops. My, my scoop of the week was seeing you walk your dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw you tweet that. That's, that's, that's funny. Uh, I've been trying to. I've been on a diet, and I've been trying to get uh, exercise. And I've been walking to Chipotle because I'm on this weird uh, keto diet, which is low carb. Anyways, people are not listening to this podcast to hear about this. People want to hear about Star Wars. Um, so actually, before we get into today's news, 
Um, let me get your your reaction to yesterday's news, which was that this this Star Wars live action TV series produced by John Favreau is going to be called The Mandalorian, and is going to be uh, t- t- you know follow a Mandalorian warrior. It sounds like it's kind of a western uh, it, that's going to be after. Return of the Jedi, but before Force Awakens. So uh, hearing all that yesterday, what was your reaction? Jason Ward's done it again. That was my <laughs> reaction because he told me about it two months ago and it was yeah. on the side, I think, uh, October 6th or something like that. But it's I, it, it's thrilling. I like this is like what we as nerds went on about for, you know, 20 years about imagine if they did this, imagine if they did that. And like seeing this photo now and, 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 you know, also bouncing it off Jason's set photos, it's like that it there, it sort of looked like, Oh yeah, it's like they're at Disneyland. But then you've got this other angle now on starwars.com with the Mandalorian, um, you know, strutting down, you know, it, it, it looks like Mos Espa to me or yeah. you know it de- definitely got some Tatooine vibes but we have been fooled a, a before a desert marketplace of some kind by the way i told jason this but uh i am 100% convinced that this press release that was sent out today you can see the photo on slashfilm.com this press release that was sent out today uh that it wouldn't have had a photo accompanied with the press release if Jason wasn't camping out every day <laughs> right across from set and, you know, pointing his camera, uh, you know, where it shouldn't be pointed. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's pointing it in the right direction just quietly. But the this Mando suit is... Um... I don't know. It's very impressive. I, I was at um, Lucasfilm, I think it was last month, and I saw the ancient Mandalorian that was in Solo in Dryden Voss's uh, little uh, boudoir. And the thing I like about the Mandalorians, they, they've had many different suits throughout the thousands of years or whatever, but they nailed it first shot with the helmet. They got the helmet right and just went, we're sticking with the T helmet through thousands of years, and we'll just change the rest of the suit. So I, I really appreciate them. But it does harken back quite a bit to some of, like, Joe Johnson's early, like, pre-production drawings of Boba Fett in um, the late 70s and, you know, for the holiday special. Yeah. Like that, that, that rifle. It's also, like, very desaturated, which uh, was his, like, earlier designs, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very tonal. I think um, someone had some comment about rocking the brown or something on my Twitter feed just then. But I, it, it's like this is why Star Wars, like why we all love it and why so many different types of people love it is because they take so many different types of films that are dope and jam them into one film and put it in space. And this just looks like just a sweet Western, but, you know, it's some mysterious, you know, alien creature that's walking down uh, the two-bit town. It's yeah, it's, 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 it's so exciting. I, I love his, like, brushed steel helmet and the, uh, the battle-worn, like, costume and gear he has on there. Um, I, I guess we really don't know much about this character other than he is uh, the... Uh, title character of this uh, series. Uh, does that mean he's a hero or is he a bad guy? Because, you know, in I, I guess we've had both uh, in terms of Mandalorians in the Star Wars saga so far, right? 
Yeah, I, I don't think there's, and, and you know, sometimes that's a problem with Star Wars that, like, like a Greedo, they're all bad. Like, yeah. like I, I think they're breaking that mold now. But quite often, there's well, been George a lot of. Well, George Lucas was very black or white in even like you know the color schemes of the originals. It was like you know, yeah. look, it's Darth Vader. He's black. <laughs> yes, and I, I yeah, there was a lot of um some lighthearted racist slurs in those early creature names um it was just like yeah let's just call them by the worst possible like hammerhead no one wants to be reminded of their hammerhead but um i, I guess the one thing we do know about him is he was one sh- shot just above the knee it looks like <laughs> so let's let's get some expanded universe some fanfic about uh how that dint got there well, I'm, I, I'm sure we'll get a whole comic book series just based on that alone, and it won't even explain it. It's uh, <laughs> that's the best thing. The um, he sort of has to be a hero or an anti-hero in some fashion, like otherwise it's a bit like if he's a villain in it. I don't know. It's a bit broy for me yeah. that we're just going to follow around this. You know, oh, you just kicks ass and takes names and and does like who i don't know yeah. but i i i feel it's like it's also disney i don't think they would go with the villain i mean not that they haven't in the past they did you know maleficent <laughs> which is but i mean i guess it humanized her so um uh but let's talk about the big news that came out today aside from this photo which this photo is awesome so uh, go to slashfilm.com and check it out um but the big news is the slate of directors that are announced to uh helm the you know this season of of episodes and uh one of those had already been rumored uh, i think jason it, it was another one of jason's things that he uh, said dave filoni was going to direct uh two episodes of this first season right Yes, I he's uh, I just when you said that I just got reminded of how unbearable the next 6 months of my life is going to be <laughs> with him um going on about this. And I don't know if he'd reported it or not, but uh Takika, how do you uh, say Taika, that guy's name? Taika yeah. Waititi. Uh, he yeah. he was on the podcast yesterday and mentioned his name. Mm. Uh so he did publicly say it before this announcement. Uh, but let's get your reaction to this. Uh, are you a fan of the Clone Wars and Rebels? Like, does the fact that Dave Filoni is going to be making his live action uh, directorial debut with these this series exciting to you? Not as much as some people, but like, I definitely think he like deserves a spot, and is you know he's obviously got the chops, and you know he got schooled under George Lucas and has done some amazing work with that with those animations and the storytelling, I haven't always clicked with everything that he's done, but do you know what I mean? It's not his job to um, make everything perfect for me. So I think, I think it's great. And also like the influence he's going to be able to have to, you know, keep things like really coherent and, and, and chuck in little extra bones of um, information. Like I, I, I was talking about that with someone recently. It just, it doesn't seem like on the star Wars sets, they, they permanently have the story group there. Like, Unlike if you had like a, if you're doing a police movie and you had like a, yeah. you know, a, an ex cop there to consult, it doesn't feel like those guys are there on they're, set. They're, they're all not the time. all the time, but I, I, they have been there. Like they were there for a little bit of solo and, 
Yeah, but you are right. It doesn't. You know, I I honestly think that had to do with J.J. Abrams. J.J. Abrams kind of set the tone for these new uh, Star Wars movies. And uh, he was so secretive and really uh, (laughs) not very cooperative in, uh, you know, wanting to do his own thing Mm. uh, and going. You know, we heard a little bit about how, you know, uh, the. Lucasfilm story or story groups role in that film of like, you know, they would read the script and be like, you know, you said that, uh, I think there's this line in force awakens that, uh, Hunsolo says we searched all over, uh, the outer reaches and we couldn't find uh, the millennium Falcon or something like that. And then I think Pablo, uh, had to go to Abrams and be like, well, that's too big of an area. <laughs> to 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 say that you searched all over that you could say like this and uh so they made it more specific in in the movie so i think it was more of like a you know we'll see what you want to do and we'll you know s- tell you what doesn't work but uh, you're right this is going to be more, like it, it seems like it would be more hands on especially with Filoni involved uh I, I i'm i mean i'm with you like the more kitty stuff in clone wars and Rebels is not my thing, and especially when they're not going for the overarching storyline when it has those like side bottle episodes, certainly not my thing. But uh, have you been to any of these events that they have at Walt Disney Studios where Filoni like shows the finale of a season and he like talks about it after? No, no. Well, he was there for uh, I don't think this past one, but the one before it. And he like gave an analysis of that whole temple scene, that fight uh, between uh, who was a Vader and Ahsoka. Yeah. Yeah. And it it was just like a a film school lesson and like how everything was staged and the choreography the geography the uh the hidden meanings of certain shapes and things that he was trying to tell in the story and 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 i'm sure you've talked to him he he's just like a genius in like the mythology of the star wars universe it seems like you know him working with george lucas all those years kind of like seeped into his like skin and his brain yeah i i I guess maybe my one my biggest sort of thing with him is he it, it seems like he just gets too attached to his characters. I mean, that's for sure. He's certainly kept on bringing them back, uh, which which possibly means could we see Ahsoka or someone appear in live action in this the show? Do you think he would go that far? I don't know. It, it's a big call and it might be piling a bit too much on. Like, I think if Ahsoka's going to appear in something, like, this show's got so much already. I, what everyone's crying out for is Sabine. Yeah. And, well, uh, uh, this being a Mandalorian tale, that would make sense. Yeah, and I saw uh, online today Katie Sackhouse. Uh, is, it, is it Sackhouse? Sackhoff? I think. From yeah. Battlestar. And she played uh, Bo-Katan on the clone wars one of the mandalorians and and she made her feelings known that she'd be very keen to uh get a lift down to the set with jason ward and uh suit up <laughs> but uh well, and, i know and john she... favreau was a huge fan of battlestar he based a lot of those uh you know iron man flying and the original iron man ah. based on like uh you know those space uh, sequences in battlestar so so maybe there is something there Interesting, but she's one of the rare people 
that could perfectly play the character she's voice acting. Oh, for like, sure. You know, like, you know, like Ashley as um, Ahsoka, to me, like, would be ridiculous. Yeah, it I don't just, think that would work. Um, but, yeah, she, like, someone posted up a photo of her and she's got, you know, the little sort of, like, a, a extended sort of bowl cut, the same as Bo-Katan. I'm not sure if it's her current haircut or not. I'm not sort of, uh, I haven't checked um, katiehaircut.net. <laughs> uh, today I've, I've, I've got a new child it's um i gotta have priorities but uh she does like suit that as well and i just think she's like kick ass and so she's someone that can appear in everything that i watch uh yeah, but i like okay. her a lot and i'm surprised she's not in more stuff um but but we should keep this on topic of the the filmmakers here yeah uh, this so, is, so let, I, what, I, what I had um like on Twitter, like I'm, you know, deep in the uh, the Star Wars podcast world, and <laughs> a common uh, complaint from podcasters, more astute podcasters, is some a bit of diversity in the director's chair. So I was just elated to see people elated for you know different, not just like oh it's Filoni, but. I had other people, I just, you know, I tweeted out the announcement and some people were like, you know, Bryce Dallas Howard, yes. Dave Filoni, yes. Uh, Tahika, yes. Like, so it's, like, I'm glad this announcement has, um, you know, made people's days for so many different oh, yeah. reasons. I don't know. And it's also this- funny because I remember when uh, Kathleen Kennedy was asked about, uh, you know, hiring female directors and stuff, and she kind of got some flack over that. And then I feel like, what was it, like a, a few weeks later, they announced that John Favreau was doing this live action show. And uh, he, again, every there was outrage that, you know, a white man was hired, you know, another white man was hired uh, to, to do I, Star I guess- Wars. A bit of salt to that wound was that it was announced on International Women's Day. Oh, and that too. Yes, I forgot about that. Um, but looking at this, it seems like they were well aware of of that. I mean, you have two women here. You have uh, uh, two people of color. Uh, Dave Filoni, I'm not sure what his background is. He feels in the, um, the diversity for hat wearers. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, let's talk about Taika Waititi. Um, have you seen any of his films? Like, you seem like a comedy guy, so I would, I would assume that you have seen at least uh, his last two uh, movies, right? I definitely saw Thor. Uh, what else? What else has he made? He he. Uh, I first discovered him with this movie called Eagle vs Shark, which was like this very quirky Wes Anderson esque like New Zealand film. And I'm uh, I'm happy because I discovered him. I'm gonna brag. I'm, this is gonna be my Jason Ward moment of the podcast. Uh, I 15 years ago I saw that film or whatever it was, and my quote is on the cover of that Blu-ray and DVD. So I feel like I discovered Tekoa TT uh, way before everybody else. But uh, he <laughs> he made this uh, mockumentary that was this vampire mockumentary called What We Do in the Shadows. Did you see that? No, no, it, it's very good. And then he did this dramedy that appeared at uh, that premiered at Sundance and was uh, nominated for a bunch of awards called Hunt for the Wilder People. Well, one thing that I've seen a lot of was he <laughs> looks like he's directed and appeared in uh, a fair few Flight of the Concords episodes. That too. Yeah. Yeah. But um, and, I, and, you know, like Thor was that was so fun. 
that 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 was just a fun movie to watch so it's uh yeah that one's good i the my favorite of all the people announced and i have no idea what this guy's done except for this one credit but i'm gonna pretend i don't know the credit because it's rick uh famuyama <laughs> say it again fumiyama fumiyama yeah all right uh rick fumiyama and i just like in brackets his credit is dope but yeah. when I read it, it just sounds like whoever was writing the press release was just really stoked. It was like, <laughs> yeah, dope. We've got Rick. Because I, I, I talk like a 17-year-old skate kid. So that really uh, relates to me. Did, did you see his film, Dope? It sounds like you have not. <laughs> oh, no, I have. I have. It's, okay. I, 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 because I watch lots of Star Wars and I try to watch anything set in LA so I can um, assimilate with your culture. <laughs> Um, no, I, I, and that's another film I saw at Sundance and loved. And uh, who was it? Uh, Kirstie Clemens was in that, and she's you know a uh, rising star. She's supposed to be in the Flash film. Yeah. Anyways, uh, getting off track here. Uh, I do. I do have to say, I um, I do have a limit of two Sundance references per podcast. So um, okay, so I've run a- out. Any more, and, and you'll just. You'll be dead air. Okay? Yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. Um, <laughs> no, uh, no. He's very good, and, and you like dope. You you enjoyed it. Oh, dope was dope. Yeah. Um, no, I'm excited about him. Uh, I, I did want to ask you something about Taika Waititi because his films are so quirky and so uh, uniquely him. Uh, like Thor Ragnarok doesn't feel like any other Marvel movie, even though a lot of people compare it to Guardians of the Galaxy. I feel like it has this comedy and tone and rhythm to it that is not unlike any of the other of the mcu films so i'm wondering i i know a lot of people had a problem and i'm not talking about the you know fan babies uh or the russian trolls uh i'm talking about the actual fans a lot of people had a problem with the humor that ryan brian johnson brought to the last jedi that it was kind of uh outside of it felt kind of like it was different than, you know, the tone and humor that had been previously in the saga films. Oh, okay. So it wasn't up to the level of like C-3PO saying it's a drag or I'm <laughs> beside myself. Did it, it did not hit those uh, heights. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we'll pick up your game. Well, no, uh, no, no. It, it's not about the intelligence, I think, because I actually have a little bit of a problem with this. I think it just felt a little bit too modern insensibility of the humor like the the whole uh i think for instance the biggest one example is you know uh when hux is being trolled by poe in the beginning of the movie like it felt very like a modern movie yeah i i actually liked that scene more when i didn't know he was saying hugs when i just thought it was just a, a straight up Bart Simpson calling Moe's Tavern prank call. I, I was I was really up for it. And the hug thing, I was sort of just like, yeah, maybe that's a bit much. But that's, you know, that, that's comedy. It's not like, where do you gauge it? Where do you, you know, where do you click in? And and I think it's made worse if people didn't enjoy, you know, the, the main story with, you know, say Luke Skywalker. Then the yeah. jokes around it become more annoying and, and, and get inflamed. But... I uh, I sort of think, actually, I think Force Awakens is the the best Star Wars humor film. I agree there. 
Uh, but so you wouldn't have a problem with Taika Waititi's, uh like kind of very quirky humor being inserted into this, you know, galaxy we know already. Sure, because Thor, it's it kind of like it was sort of like so outrageous and ridiculous, and the, it sort of seemed like the characters knew that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you know what I mean? Like there was some sort of like this is a ridiculous situation. But the other thing is with that is that. Perhaps that's how people act in comic books as well. Like it's sort of that that comic book sensibility of, you know, and it's same in Star Wars. You know, you're getting you're in a shootout and you know you shoot, and in between shots you like make quips to the other person shooting. That's do you know what I mean? That's yeah. Like that's the universe that you're in. That it's so dangerous that you still like I don't know if it's your coping mechanism or you're just so used to it. But you know that's established in the first film that um, under duress you still make lots of quips and and maybe put down the people that you're trying to escape with. They've got a lot of, um, of nagging in that first <laughs> Oh, movie. for sure. Um, okay, okay, I, 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 I do find the whole thing weird anyway that <laughs> it's like it's like a Star Wars, you know, extended movie, but it's directed by so many different people. Like that – like I know that's a normal television process, but because it's like Star Wars, I'm like oh, – Oh, but then you've got you've got Favreau um, overseeing it all. I I can't believe that the dude that wrote Swingers is is making a Mandalorian TV series. That's it's so weird. No, like, and he he's a huge Star Wars fan. I I said this to Jason on the podcast yesterday, but I was on the set of the Jungle Book, which was. Uh, filmed in a warehouse in downtown Los Angeles. And uh, it was this warehouse that was surrounded by blue tarps, blue screens. And I asked him, I was like, why are you using blue screens and not green screens? And he said uh, it was because he grew up watching all the, you know, behind the scenes making of the, the, the original Star Wars movies. And he always wanted to work on a set that had blue screens. <laughs> um, so, so that was his reason. It was no technological reason to it at all. Uh, but anyways, um, we should talk about the, the two women here, which I think, uh, my, uh, colleague Jermaine Lucier, uh, said on Twitter that I think he was joking. He said like, you know, who had the bet, uh, for, uh, Deborah Chow and Bryce Dallas Howard as the two female, first female directors of Star Wars content. <laughs> Like who had their their money on those two? Like I I I was not expecting either of these names. If I had put a list together of like you know fifty women who should direct Star Wars, uh, these people wouldn't no, no, be no, on no, it. No, not, no, not that no, they the, the list would be the fifty top women that should be complained about by bitter Star Wars fans. <laughs> or that yeah that. But uh, and and that's not to discredit either of these people. But I think they're just. Um, you know, Bryce Dallas Howard is primarily thought of as an actress. Uh, she has directed some short films and, uh, Deborah has, uh, primarily done TV. I guess this is TV. So I'm not sure why I'm thinking of it as a film. Uh, uh, what do you think of Bryce, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard? I had no idea she even directed. Do you know what I mean? I, I thought the only thing she directed was like disastrous theme parks in, in <laughs> fictional circumstances. So I was kind of confused. I was like, Oh, have they leaked an actor by mistake? But no, she's, uh, 
She's in there. I, it's um, I guess it's um, you know, everyone in the family gets to direct a, a Star Wars bit of content this year, which is very exciting. She's kind of in the family though, because George Lucas was so you know close with Ron Howard, and you say Ron Howard did uh, solo Star Wars story. Uh, it almost makes sense. It's kind of like in her blood, in a mm. way. I think. Uh, and yeah, she directed I think some TV movie called Call Me Crazy. And uh, did like five, uh, four short films, none of which I have seen. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna change that tomorrow. I'm gonna try to seek out uh, these short films because I want to see what her directing talent is like. Um, but uh, you know, we should talk about Deborah Chow. Do you have any experience with her? She's done a lot of TV. Uh, she broke onto the scene with this 2010 feature debut, uh, "The High Cost of Living." It was a uh, one of the best Canadian. F- first feature film at the Toronto International Film Festival. Uh, I have not seen that. Have you? No, I have not. I, I, I try to um, boycott everything from Canada except maple syrup. So uh, <laughs> he, oh, okay, interesting. I've got her filmography up here and she directed an episode of Better Call Saul. Yeah, she directed an episode, like, I think it was on two weeks ago. It was the one... If I'm not oh, it's from incorrect, okay. yeah. If I'm not cor- incorrect, I could be wrong here, but I think it's the episode. Are, are you watching this year? Yes. But it started out with a split screen of Saul on one side, and uh, her, uh, what's her name on the other? Uh, I know the actress's name. Oh, and Kim. Uh, and yeah, it had Kim, the Kim on the other, of... and showing oh, kind of how the... they were. Uh, you know, going in different directions with their uh, lives. Um, uh, it was a well-directed episode, and I, I, I even listened to the Better Call Saul podcast because I just listen to podcasts while I work and stuff. And she, uh, this this filmmaker, uh, Deborah Chow, was a very well-spoken, uh, very you know, no, you could tell she knows her craft. Um, that episode was epic. Yeah, I, I hope I'm not getting that wrong. I think that it was that episode. <laughs> no, no, no. I've got the I've got the photos up now, and it was um, Jimmy runs into a problem as he expands his business that only Kim can solve. Gus, get, Gus gets involved in Hector's medical care. Mike has to deal with a setback. That was um, it. Was the one where um, Sol's sort of bodyguard hit the cop on the side of the head? Oh yeah, yeah. But but. Yeah, that was that was a good episode. I, I don't know if that yeah. means it was like well directed, <laughs> but I'm I'm happy to give her the credit. That the opening bit with the split screen was kind of tragic. Like, yeah. So so I guess that's you know doing the job because it, it made me feel um, sad. It was that some that com- might, it was actually that some that complex storytelling for a montage. It was doing yeah, a lot it, of things. It, it sort of made me worried like about oh i've got to make sure that doesn't happen with me and my wife like it was <laughs> it was it was a, a, a chilling a, a chilling opening montage i just want to watch a, a show about a, a sketchy lawyer but uh, i don't want to have to think about my wife yeah yeah uh and she's directed episodes of iron fist uh fear the walking dead jessica jones lost in space Snowfall and the Man in High Castle. So she has a long resume of TV, which I, yeah, I, Mr. I think. Robot. Oh, Mr. Robot too. I didn't even see that on the list. Oh, I'm a bit disappointed. She directed a short in 2004 called The Hill, but I thought it was The Hills. 
like with Lauren Conrad. <laughs> Isn't that coming back? I don't know. Okay, anyways, we're getting distracted. Uh, okay, so I think we've talked about all of the directors we know of here. Uh I think Jason says it's eight episodes. New York Times said 10 episodes. So we only have five directors here. If they're each directing two episodes each, that might make sense, right? Like, you'd think they would announce all the names of the directors of the first season. Um, Who is a director that isn't here that, you know, that you would love to see direct an episode of Star Wars television? George Lucas. <laughs> That's never happening. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm, not, I, I'm not really like Buffy, like film Buffy in in that manner. Yeah. I I'm not like I'm not good at picking people that would be good for it. I, I'm I'm decent at picking people that wouldn't be good for it. When when Phil Lord and Chris Miller got announced. I was very, like, I was like, that doesn't seem right at all, but <laughs> you guys are the pros. You know what you're doing. <laughs> I'm just some goofball sitting in the in the auditorium in in London at Celebration, but, and they seem like lovely chaps. I, I remember I, I did like one of their sweaters. I, um, it, it made me go out and buy a blue sweater that, I, I don't know why, but it's all comfortable. But, um, yeah, so I'm not really that, um, like when you, like, I, you know, then I connect to like, you know, that that episode of um, Better Call Saul, much like Ryan Johnson, when I worked out that he directed that episode of Breaking Bad that may have been called The Fly, but it was about yeah. a fly. Um, ironically, she directed the episode about the making of, the giant <laughs> underground lab that then Ryan Johnson directed a uh, an episode in in the future. That's man, you think the Star Wars timeline's confusing, but um, these prequels, but it's, it's, it's all connected. It, it is it, all connected. It, I, I I guess I, I'm I'm happy that um, Dave Filoni's you know doing it partly because I don't have to read about people wanting it on Twitter anymore. So so that's good. Um. <laughs> You really are not a fan of Dave Filoni, but okay. Well, uh, no, no, no. I, 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 that that did come off a little bit snide, but it is one of those things that I just hear all like, you know, D- Dave Filoni is like, and it's not his fault, but he's seen as this like savior, if as if it needs saving of of Lucasfilm, yeah, like sort of like, yeah, running a corporation isn't, you know. Knowing a lot about Mortis, they, they, they're very different skills, you guys. So, yeah. But I, um, I actually think I might enjoy. And as I said, I, I did like um a lot of Rebels and Clone Wars. But I think in that live action circumstance, like having to direct actual people in, because sometimes I found a lot of the action very, um unbelievable as particularly in rebels there's, there's this yeah. one episode Peter, where chopper gets in the back of an a-wing impossibly like i i i went through it yeah like frame by frame and it's like there is no chance for him to get into that a-wing without as refining out but i i think like in the real world like i 
I, I think he's going to go for and and also I kind of think animations be harder to direct than um people. Do you know what I mean? Because there people yeah. are there like in front of you like um to direct animation you've got to have such a like like internal like imagination and and like idea about where everything's sort of lining up you know and and that's sort of why a lot of times you know the prequels the scenes seem a bit disjointed because there is so many things like pasted together so yeah it's um but i as an announcement goes this is this is a good one this is a um a good day for star wars fans i think oh for sure uh (laughs) it's been a tough time recently and like you know uh uh, with all this news, U.S. politics going on, and uh, you know, this is this this is some good news to me, and uh, it is kind of weird that we're getting our first you know photo of the Mandalorian. We we see the character, but we don't even know who the actor is that is playing him, nor do we know anybody who has been cast in the series. We you know, there's rumors that Pedro Pascal from. Uh, Game of Thrones and Darkos is might be in it. Uh, Werner Herzog is another rumor. Um, we don't know even who wrote this. Like we know nothing about the show, and it's right now it's filming in Southern California somewhere, and uh, that is crazy to me that they've kept it all under that kind of lock and key. That is amazing that um, they manage. Like we don't know the cast and they're filming. That's like. That's some good secrecy. But this is one of my favorite things about being a Star Wars fan. And, you know, one of my earliest memories of being a Star Wars fan revolves around this. And that's just like getting an image and having no idea what it is and just staring at it and thinking about what you think is happening. And then later on finding out, like, I remember I had this Return of the Jedi, like poster and trivia book. And I think it came out in maybe like 83 or 84. I was very young. And in the trivia, they actually had the thing about the Blue Harvest cover name, which was like my first bit of sweet insider information, I guess. So I could, you know, gatekeep other people in um, grade prep that didn't know that fact. But on the cover, there was a Gamorrean guard under the red sail of um, Jabba's sail barge. And I remember just like just thinking about why the 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 sky was i thought the whole sky was red and i thought this guy was a big like boss monster or something and i don't know i i I love all this stuff so i think it's um you know really cool and you you can't get any more mysterious than this you know helmeted dude you know mandalorians are sort of always had a um an air of mystery about him you know like in the 90s we we spent the entire time just making up stories about you know, where Boba Fett came from and, and who he was related to and yeah. why Han Solo hated him so much. So <laughs> I, I should ask you this because I asked Jason this yesterday. Um, you know, we, we know that Boba Fett's armor had been, has been found, has been, you know, found outside of the Sarlacc pit. And there, you know, it's the possibility that he could have survived that death. Do you think in any way his story is going to collide with this new show in any way? Oh, man. <laughs> I, I kind of... What if Werner Herzog is Boba Fett? <laughs> I don't know. Where's... um? Where's... What's his name at? Where's... um? 
Tamir Morrison. Where, where, oh, yeah, where's, yeah. where's he filming? It's, it's, it's so cool just to think of like who could take off that helmet. Like I was sort of, I'm looking at the picture now, and I'm sort of like going, could they wrap him up or wrap them up so much that you couldn't see their form? Like, like that that front shield thing. Like, could it be concealing a um, a female breast or two? Like that would oh that, that would be would, shocking. That would be. Although I feel like they did that in Solo, and people did not like. Or did, were, people didn't seem to be a fan of that reveal in that film. <laughs> really, man. Yeah. I I think some I. I don't know. That, those, those and I'm not, I'm, not speak, not I'm, I'm again not speaking about the problematic side of the force. I'm just saying in uh, of the the real fans. It seemed like uh, I don't know. It was also the way it was handled. I think it was kind of played as like this big reveal, and it was kind of confusing. You're like, you know, is she? Is that Val's daughter? Is that? And you're trying to figure like it was kind of. I don't know. I think it was edited and filmed in a strange way but we're getting off track again <laughs> i i think maybe because they were that was that was a, a like a chris and phil like yeah. all that all that um stuff that was filmed on that beach wherever that was in morocco or something that was that was that was all them so i think they had to piece it together but i actually find that like enfy's nest is like one of the most celebrated new characters it's definitely you know she's definitely building um a lot of momentum. I, I, I actually think a... she's cooler than Boba Fett, to be honest with you. Like that whole the her costume, the bike, the I don't know, everything is very, very cool. I want to like have like a stat like a collectible figure of her on my desk. Yeah. I, I post up a like a photo of her costume, like really close up of her mask and, and people were going bananas over it. So but it's um I don't know, it's it's just I'm having trouble just conceiving this world where we're gonna like watch this once a week it's um are are you are you deep into like all the books and the comic books and do you do like involve yourself in everything or i try to as much as possible because i said i was going to and i i only get my hands in about half of it and uh you know if you had told me 20 years ago that there would be this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe and that there would be tons of connected Marvel TV shows on TV and that I wouldn't be watching or care about them. (laughs) (laughs) I would be so shocked. I would be so shocked. But, like, it just became too much. And maybe it's because, like, a lot of it isn't good. I think that's probably more of it than uh, it just being too much. But there is so much of this expanded universe. It's hard to, like read and consume everything yeah and i also think like committing yourself to doing it all like don't make it a chore and if if something is sort of boring you you don't like it like don't feel like you're compelled as a a fan to to complete it like john i mean you don't have to complete every little challenge in the um the lucasfilm publishing world (laughs) so you know like like the comics i I was like amped when the comics started the new ones and they it was a bit too comic booky and not enough star warsy for me so i sort of drifted off but i've actually um 
heard a lot of buzz about like the current ones and have gone back and um you know picked up some of the the, the vader and star wars ones for that are just releasing now and yeah, man they're, they're very they're, good they picked up their game big time so um yeah I, I think it's like it's like when someone has actually read everything and it's not their job <laughs> I I look at them quizzically and envy their time management. Well, I, I, I hear the baby crying in the background, so I'm not going to keep <laughs> you any longer. I know we, we were going to do this in 15 minutes, and it went into 45 because, uh, you know, when oh, you no, nerd out about Star Wars, it just yeah. happens. That, that, that's, not, that's not my son. That's um, I've got the audio turned on on Twitter. Oh, re- what? Really? Yeah, it's just people crying. Oh, <laughs> I, I thought at first you were saying you had like a stream from the other room of your that's funny okay uh anyways uh where can people find more of your work online uh the podcast is steel wars we we cover the news and we also do in-depth interviews with people of star wars note whether they're actors or um you know creatives in star wars or or fans of note and if you are uh looking for a podcast or on youtube in the next 24 hours i've got a a little interview going up with ray park which is super cool we talk about solo we talk about the phantom menace and and what new moves that darth maul may have if he makes a return (laughs) that's something he's been thinking about so he's like i'm in love with that dude he's just like just the sweetest like you know really kind excited dude about star wars so i'm so glad to have him back so yeah that'll be up um on youtube at steel wars on podcast at steel wars and on twitter at steel wars there's a theme there it's called <laughs> it's called branding i should have just said it's everything steel wars steel but wars. uh i um I, i've just said the name of my podcast far more times than you said the word (laughs) Sundance. So uh, revenge is mine, Peter. (laughs) Okay. Well, you can, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, go and head to Slash Film, check out that photo, read the whole article on the site. Uh, This podcast, Slash Film Daily, is usually published five days a week, every weekday on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Uh, You can send us feedback, questions, comments, concerns to peter at slashfilm.com. And uh, as always, Go to iTunes, go to our page, give us a glowing five-star review, tell your friends, spread the word, and we will see you tomorrow.